Come on, lift your voice and sing. This is the day that you have made. Whatever comes, I won't complain. For all my hope is in your name. And now your joy awaits my praise. I give thanks
Father, we sing to you in this place because you've rescued our soul, because you've given us a home. Despite failures, despite addiction, despite depression, you've called us and you've given us a home. You're faithful and we've seen it over and over and over. And so my prayer here in this place is that if we haven't had the ability to recognize your faithfulness, that maybe we would. Maybe we're, maybe we're needing that here in this, in this time. I'm not sure what that looks like, Father, but here in this room that we would feel your faithfulness and that we would proclaim your name and your attributes because we know that's true. So, Father, we love you. We pray in your name.
Thank our great God. What a great God. Would you just take a brief moment and welcome everyone to the service here today. We're so glad that you're here. Just stand up. that you're here this morning. Today we have the, a great honor and privilege to spend some time dedicating a few of the children in our church to the Lord. We have a number of new babies in the church and uh, young families, and we're just thrilled to be able to, to honor the Lord with them this morning. So our first this morning is, um, is Frankie James Naughton. Would, uh, would, you, would, would you come on up here this morning? Frankie James Naughton III, all right? This is Emily. Emily and Frankie Naughton are bringing Frankie James III. Can we thank God for this little guy? And he's got a few proud sisters, Ava and, uh, and Zoe, and so we thank God. Come on up, Grandma and Grandpa up here, all right? So we've got... Also with them this morning, are going to be standing right next to them is, uh, is your, your family, Mr. and Mrs. Adams. Listen, they love you so much. And uh, this is a, a day of a lot of tears. And uh, I know it's a, a joyful tear, so. And I'm just thanking God for what he's done in your life, Emily. We rejoice with you because this is a gift from God. And uh, I know God is the one who puts broken pieces together, doesn't he? And that's what he's done in your life. Can we thank God for Emily and Frankie? 
And uh, we're, we're just so thankful for them this morning. And also are coming Joshua and Lauren Patanko are bringing Landon Christopher Patanko this morning. Can we just thank God for this family, Lauren and Joshua. Little Landon, is, uh, he was born on 11-26-18, just a, he's just about a year old, just a little over a year. And uh, he, he had to, listen, both these babies, we had to, when Frankie was born, a couple tough hours, didn't we? A couple tough days. And uh, he was just born, Frankie was born on the 27th of December. That's our newest one yet up here, right? The 27th of December. Over here. Landon was born on the 26th of November last year, and uh, we, we just thank God because both these children had some tough days and some tough times in hospitals, and, and uh, a lot of you were surrounding them and praying for these families in the hospitals and, and lifting up the Lord, saying, God, please intervene on the behalf of their health. And so today, God puts broken pieces back together, folks. That's what God does. Only God can do that. And then our next family coming this morning is uh, Cher and Shane Walker. I'm going to ask you guys just to come on over here. Sharon and Shane are going to come up, and uh, they are bringing this morning their three children. They are new in our area, and they are bringing their three children this morning. Uh, Shanley, Brindley, and Beckham are all coming up to be dedicated to the Lord this morning. So we thank God for this family, and uh, can we just thank God for all these families up here today? The, the scripture says that children are an inheritance from the Lord, folks. And I just thank God for these families as you all are standing up here. Uh, would you take a look at the inheritance that God is giving to our church? Amen. We have young families with young children. Let's praise our great God, what he is doing in this place. And, and I was, uh, I'm so thrilled to hear each one of your stories. Cher uh, was sharing with us the other day about how that she found the church just uh, just through some contacts online and, and just meeting and came in through our MOPS program and uh, met some friends and now is part of our church family. And, and Josh and Lauren, uh, you, you were here in our young adult ministry a number of years ago. And I remember when Lauren first went out and found you and you know brought you brought you in. I was like, check him out again, all right? So and and it worked, all right? Look what God's done. And uh, and Emily, I've known you since you were a high school kid, and just been able to walk the journey with you guys. And we're we're just so thankful for you, Frankie and and Emily, just to watch what God is doing now, and to see how the God's blessed you. We are just so happy for you all. Children are the inheritance of the Lord, the Scripture says. Isaiah 44 verse 24 says, "This is what the Lord says: Your Redeemer, who formed you in the womb, He says, I am the Lord who has made all things." who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by himself. The Lord alone is the one who formed each one of these kids in these mother's wombs. And we thank God for that because none of these children up here, none of them were an accident. None of them, not even the teenagers, right? You're you're getting older now, right? And you're up here with mom and you're like, wow, mom's making me stand up here today. But I want you to know, there is not one of these children that were an accident. Can we thank God? That is the plan of God Almighty. That is how He works. Psalm 20, uh, Proverbs 22, 6 says that if we would train up a child in the way that he would go, even when he is old, he'll not depart from it. So this is the principle of God's Word. If you will take your children and teach them the things of God and point them towards God. 
bring them around the family of God. When they were old, they will continue in the things that you've taught them. And so today, I want to, you know, I, I just, I stand up here with your parents. And I remember your parents going out with you, Emily, you know, bringing you as a teenager and a kid and, yeah, okay. Yeah, all right. And, and so, yeah, so it's like we flash forward and now it's like, wow, and here you are with your family. And look, here you are as you're older following God. Thank God Almighty. Amen. That's what God does. And this is what, he, what we have a chance to do with all these families today. And then he says in Psalm 8, 2, Out of the mouth of babes and infants, he established the praises. To, uh, he, God, God uses these little children. So no matter what age, whether they're infants or whether they are uh, growing, God has a plan for all of them and is to honor and glorify God. Our prayer this morning as we dedicate your children is that one day they will come to know Jesus personally. We want uh, our children to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's a personal faith, one-on-one between them and God. And so we're praying for that to happen in all these families. And one day we're going to be rejoicing when we watch these kids up here sharing their story. Amen. Luke, you'll come and share. We have a gift for all of you families. Congratulations, guys. Your kids are beautiful. Your families are beautiful. And this is just something so small. Um, These are marbles. Not because you've lost yours. We probably will. But that joke doesn't get old. But I want to say that this is a small, just a symbol to make every week count for God. There's a, a marble for every week from when a child is born until they turn 18 years old, which is a lot to take in. But make every week count for God. That's what these are for. And so um, we'll have these for you guys. Actually, Kim, great. Um, so I'll give these to you guys. But just know this is just a small gift from us. Kim, can you hand them up? Anyway, this is great. Um, but um, as we continue to support you guys as your church, just know this is a small way just to make every week count for God as you, as you look to be parents and to seek his advice and his wisdom as you lead your kids to know the Lord. This morning, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And we're just uh, we're going to lift these children up before the Lord. We're just going to thank God for them, and we're just going to dedicate each one of them. So join me together in prayer. Father God, we come before you, Lord, and we just thank you for our children. We thank you for this gift from God. Uh, Lord, I pray this morning for, for, for little Frankie up here, Lord. We thank you for Frankie, and we just dedicate him to you, Lord. He is a gift from you. God, you washed over him, and, and his entry into, into our little world here was a little bit bumpy, but God, uh, you have been with him, and we have a healthy little baby boy, and we just thank you for him. You've given him to such wonderful parents, Lord. And I just pray now for, for Emily and for Frankie, Lord. I pray for the, them as parents that uh, you will give them the wisdom and the strength to walk with you, to love you, to raise little Frankie the third in your name. Uh, God, we, we bless Frankie in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Lord. We ask you to work in his life, and we dedicate him unto you for, for this for this lifetime that you have given him in your precious name and lord we continue to pray this morning we lift up to you little landon christopher lord we just lift up landon we thank you for landon and and how that you are you have given him through some hard health times as well lord you've uh, you've been there with him but lord you've been with josh and lauren and i pray for josh and lauren and i just ask that you will lift your hand upon them god and and help them to raise this child on all their children lord he has Two, two other bro- uh, brother and a sister, Derek and Jocelyn, Lord. And so I pray for this family, Lord, for the Patankos, Lord. 
We dedicate little Landon now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, we come before you for the Walker family. We thank you for Sharon Shane. We thank you how that you brought them unto us, Lord. And I just lift up their children before you, Lord, for Brindley, for, for uh, uh, Shanley, and for Beckham, Lord. We just lift them up to you. And I just ask, Lord, that you'll put your hand upon them, Lord. And we just ask you to, to move in their lives. And we dedicate them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God, we are so thankful for this, these families that have come. Their desire is to know you. Their desire is for their children to know you. And God, we ask your blessing upon this day. And this is a great day that we'll always remember when we dedicated these children to you, to God Almighty. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's give them a hand as they return back to their seats. We appreciate you. truly humbling, isn't it, church? It's exciting stuff. I have three things that I want to share with you, um, just kind of things that are coming up here in our calendar as a church family. Um, if you pass the friendship folders down the, at this point, I appreciate that. We have an Ecuador mission trip interest meeting, 207. Uh, right after this service, we're going to be in there. Pastor Ken and the team will be answering questions, sharing more about the trip and the cost and details associated with that. And so it's in room 207, which is the last room on your left, passing the restrooms. Uh, over here in the hallway, and that is uh, on the fence, not sure, really want to go, Those that, that is the meeting for you uh, to check that out, and they'll be there to welcome you and have a great meeting, and we're excited about what God's going to do on that trip. Uh, Rhonda is going to be in the lobby talking about life groups, uh, so she can help you get signed up, answer questions. If you want to host a group, you want to lead a group, you want to join a group, uh, please talk to her. You can register in your bulletin by filling out that form and giving it to her or putting it in the offering plate, or you can uh, register on the front page of our website uh, for life groups. And Rhonda, make sure you talk to Rhonda if you're interested in any of those things, leading, hosting, uh, or being a part of a group. Uh, and the last thing is the Art of Marriage Conference uh, website. On our fr- front page of our website is more information. It's the 21st and 22nd of February, and we're looking forward to an awesome time as we take the Word of God and invest it into our marriages and uh, just ask the Lord uh, for His wisdom and His Word as we lead our spouses more and more as they go on. I'm going to ask the children's ministry to come up. Uh, so we've been given to the birthday gift of Jesus, and God has uh, just moved in our church, and we've seen over $150,000 come in to, to go in and come out. And so uh, the kids are no different. They're doing the exact same thing in kids' ministry. So talk about what's going on, guys. All right. Good morning. I'm Chrissy, and this is Kim. And uh, we have the opportunity to be downstairs with these guys um, every Sunday. And uh, we have a great time down there. And uh, I want to, uh, we've been working on something the whole month of December, and we wanted to share that with you. And so I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Um, they're going to say their name and what grade they're in. I'm Addison Sims, and I'm in first grade. I'm Lillian Wenzel, and I'm in first grade. I'm Myla Kruzowinski, and I'm in third grade. All right, and then Milo, why don't you tell us about the poster that you're holding? This is the birthday gift to Jesus poster, and we had a goal for 500, and um, we are giving all the money to different missionaries in all places around the world. So, and the tree is so every time we raise more money, um, we fill in the tree higher and higher, and. All right, good. So our goal was 500. Um, uh, Lil, did we reach our goal? Yes. 
beat it, we went over our goal. We reached $515. We got $515. (laughs) And uh, it is children's ministry, so we try to have a little fun with them. So we made a deal with them that if they reach their goal by the 1st of January, that they got to do something to the teachers. And Addie, you want to tell us what you got to do to some of your teachers? We got to silly string them. Yeah, they got to silly string us, so. Yes, I got silly strung. (laughs) Chrissy and I are so humbled to be able to be downstairs leading a team of awesome people that just love on these kids, teach the kids about Jesus, teach them about um, telling others about Jesus. And so that's what this birthday gift of Jesus is. They really have been learning about missionaries that we support all over the world, and it's just a really cool thing to see the kids bring in their offering each week and and this tree continued to get filled and filled until they were super excited. So um, it was really awesome, and we're just very thankful for your prayers and support and, and allowing us to lead your children. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, guys. I'd like to ask the ushers to come forward as we receive our morning offering. And again, we are on mission from children's to students to adults. We're on mission to see lives changed by Jesus Christ. And so as we give now, let's give, as Scripture says, with a cheerful heart and know that that we're given towards a mission that is alive and active, the mission of Jesus. Lord, we love you. And as we give now, as we give to, to see the gospel of Jesus Christ go all over from Finleyville to Pittsburgh to our country and to beyond, we give knowing that you are alive and active. Even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it, you are on the move. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of your mission here on earth. We ask all things in the powerful name of Christ. Amen. We've been talking about unhurried this January and how to slow your life down uh, to actually get ahead. Last week, we had a guest speaker in, David Nelms, missionary, taking planting churches in Nepal, and his title was Urgency. And you wonder, how does unhurried and urgent go together, right? Well, they actually do because urgency is more about being what is important in picking and choosing to do what is important in your life then uh, most people, when you hear the term unhurried, you think, well, I just sit back and do nothing. 
And that's not what we're talking about at all. We're talking about how to have a state of heart that is at peace. Meyer Friedman, he was a cardiologist. He, he rose to fame with this theory that type A people who were chronically angry and in a hurry are more prone to heart attacks. He defined, he defined hurry like this. He coined the term hurry sickness. He said it is a continuous struggle, an unremitting attempt to accomplish or achieve more and more things or to participate in more events in less and less times. In less and less time. So how can we get more done in less time? In other words, you know, we, we thought this was going to help us, and all it did was overwhelm us. Uh, and, and so, you know when he made that statement? That was in the 50s, 1950. What, what didn't they have in the 50s yet? They didn't have an iPhone for sure, right? There was no iPhone. Um, did they have TV? I think they had TV, right? They had TV, but it was black and white. You had three channels. Rabbit ears and foil, right? That's what, that's what the 50s were like. Um, did, did, did they have a computer yet? Uh, if they did, it was probably the size of this room. Uh, it's just, just amazing that the, the things that we have, have come along. And now, it, listen, 50 years ago they were talking about hurried as a problem. Talking about a soul that's hurried, a soul that's moving at the speed of light and we can't keep up. So this morning I want to ask you about your life. I want you to do a little bit of inventory and, and look at your life and see if you are hurried, if you are living a hurried life. Because what I want to do is I want to help you to live an unhurried life. Uh, but you have to first understand, are you the person who stands in line at the checkout counter at, the, at Giant Eagle or at Aldi's and you're counting how many people are in the lines and you switch the line to go to the shortest line you can find? Anybody like that? Okay. The rest of you? Just didn't raise your hand, that's all. Um, how many of you look at traffic? You're in traffic and you're, you're finding the shorter lanes. You know, there's only two coming down Route 19 out there. You go down two different lanes and, man, I've watched people, they'll come and they'll weave in and out, weave in and out. I love when somebody passes me like that and then you pull up to them at the light and you're there just a, two seconds behind them. You just look over and say, hi, happy, hope you're having a great day, right? Uh, how about multitasking to the point where you forget one of the tasks that you were doing? Like, I've got so many things going on, but yet I can't remember what I was doing anymore. Um, John Mark Comer gives ten symptoms of hurry sickness. And I want you to think about this, because as we go through this hurry sickness, I, I am I'm convicted. I look at this, and there are a number of things that I say, wow, I struggle with. And so I'm not standing up here today talking as a master of, this, of, of being unhurried. I'm telling you that this is something that we have to grow in, and we have to work at it every day of our life. Unhurried. Um, irritability, number one. The number one symptom of, of having hurry sickness is irritability. You get mad and annoyed easily. People are walking on eggshells around you. And so if you want to know if that's you, just ask your wife or your kids, okay? They will tell you if they have to walk on eggshells. They will tell you if you're irritable. Um, how about hypersensitivity? You're hypersensitive. Just a minor comment can hurt your feelings, Minor things become major, like something that, that, that you would have never thought anything of. You hear it, and boom, you're, and now it's a major ordeal to you. Yeah, you, you become angry. You become nitpicky. You, be, you become filled with anxiety. You're, you're tired all the time because of this. Small things just become big. You have a hard time keeping up with, uh, with, with the punches of life. How about restlessness? You try to slow down, but you can't. You ever try that? Like, like you're, going to, you're trying to force yourself to stop the pace of life. You're trying to slow down, but you just can't sit still. Uh, you, you try to read your Bible, but 
man, you say oh, it comes up boring to me uh, because you're you're just you're you're just used to activity all the time. You're you're restless. You're, you have a quiet time, but you can't focus with God. You watch TV or you check your phone. While you're watching TV, you check your phone. How many do that? You know, it's like the TV's on and I got this going. We called that multitasking, but could it really be a sign of, wow, I can't take the quiet. I can't take the, uh, the calmness. I don't know how to, to slow down. You're, you get hyped up on the speed of life. You like go from the next thing to the next thing to the next thing. And then when you don't have that high of the next thing, you're kind of shivering. You're kind of in withdrawal. Um, workaholism or just activity nonstop. Uh, we, can, we can give ourselves to work or to entertainment. We can feel that we have to always have something, and so uh, you, you don't know when to stop. You, your drug of choice is accomplishments and accumulation. So it's like you, you just got to go from the next, uh, 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 and, we, and we keep going through life like this. So you could do that with work. Like some of us are dedicated to our work, and we think about it nonstop, 24-7, and we're always going to the next high. It's an addiction to work. Others have that same addiction to entertainment, uh, to, to fixing my house, uh, you, you name it. There, you could fill in the blank there, but, but just think, what, what is the next high? And so we keep filling ourselves with these things that, that, that are really necessary, that are unnecessary. We keep filling ourselves with the unnecessary, and we're going after this. Emotional numbness. Maybe you say, man, I'm just numb. Like, like I, I just I, I can't care for anybody else. I, I, can't, I don't have anything to give anybody else because I'm just so overworked. I'm so tired, and, and, and I'm running, and empathy is a rare thing for you. How about your priorities? You're, you're, maybe you're the person who has the priorities that get out of order. And as you're looking through your priorities and, and you, you start to disconnect from your identity and your calling because your priorities are out of order. You live by the tyranny of, by the tyranny of the urgent and not by the tyranny of the important. Busier than ever before. You're busier, but you have no time for what matters the most. Uh, you lack care for your body. I... I, I, I struggle with this one. No time for sleep. No time to eat right. No time to exercise. Uh, you, you go through escapist behaviors. You do, you're too busy for what gives life to your own soul. We turn to our distraction of choice. Drinking. This could be drinking. could be eating. could be binge-watching Netflix. Browsing social media. Oh, my goodness. How much time that we give to this, and, and it's like, wow, we're, we're, we're going through this, and we're, we're just looking and looking and looking. In the meantime, God is really looking for your soul, and there's, you're, you've missed something. You can become addicted to any number of things, surfing the web, pornography, drugs, all kind of addictions, because so we, we have to have that high. And so as we keep going after that high, in the meantime, God isn't in that high. Oh, man, if you look at Elijah in the Old Testament, he was looking for the high, and he got severely depressed because he kept looking for God in the high. He had a great success, and then he ran from a woman. I mean, it's incredible. And then, then he gets in this cave, and he's waiting. He's waiting for the next high. And, and there was a storm, and he was looking for God there. He's looking for the highs constantly. And, and God wasn't in the high. God was in the whisper and the quietness. And so we fill our soul with that. Isn't it interesting that the slippage of the spiritual disciplines, like reading God's Word, spending time with Him, filling our heart and soul. Isn't it interesting that these are the things that we drop first? Like the things that you need the most, the things that will help you the most, you become distant from. 
because you're busy, because you're filling it with other events. You're filling it with other addiction, other high, other things. We settle easily for things like watching TV all day, social media, and the list goes on and on. We miss out on the life-giving sense of oneness with God. Isolation, and this is the one I fear the most, we become isolated. It's just so easy to become withdrawn and an island unto your own self and to what matters to you and, and you're not connected to anybody. And then soon you become isolated. You're disconnected from God, from other people, and even from yourself then. When you do pray, you're too distracted to enjoy God's company. Um, if you're like me, ouch. There's a number of those things. I have about six of them. I'm like, wow, I'm really struggling. Uh, these, are, these are hard things because it's so easy for us just to go and, and take this desire. See, God created you in his image. And he created you with desire. So, man, we are created with a desire to go out and to work. And to accomplish. So there's a, a tremendous God-given desire. But, and, and here's what happens. When you go to find that desire in temporal things, they don't, fit, they don't meet that desire. Catch this. Because God created this desire for him. He is infinite. He is massive. You will never come to the end of God. So he's given you an infinite desire for him. And what we do is we take that infinite desire and we put it on to work. We put it on to family. We put it on to friends. We put it on to entertainment. We put it on to whatever, the, whatever it is that, that will distract us from coming to this. And I come over here and work will never fill it. Now, that doesn't mean you don't go to work. We should work. We should be the hardest workers out there. That's what God's called us to do. But listen, work is not where it's at. All these other things, the desire's got to come back to God. So how do we live the unhurried life? It is by coming to this understanding that you were made for God. Augustine said this. He said, you have made God. He said this, God, you have made us for yourself. And our heart is restless until it rests in you. You want to find a restless person? They're not in touch with God. Like, like when I'm going through restlessness in my own life, it's the time that I've disconnected from God and his authority and trying to understand who he is and trying to figure out on my own. And, and that's where you become frustrated. You become angry because you cannot fix life in your own power, folks. You have to come to God, and he has to refill you. So what did God do for us? God gave us a practice. There is a practical, and I'm going to give you some very practical things here today that God has given to you that will help you to live an unhurried life. Uh, the one, the, what it is, that he gave us the practice of Sabbath. It's, it's called the Sabbath, and, and Jesus practiced Sabbath. And as you look in the Old Testament, you'll see all about the Sabbath, and, and the Hebrew word for Sabbath is Shabbat. It literally means to stop and to delight. Stop. Come to screeching halt. Stop and then delight God. You know, that's how people market us today, isn't it? If you go on and look at most marketing, you go home and watch TV today and take notice of the commercials throughout the day. Um, as you watch those commercials, you will find that they are marketing to your desire. They're marketing to your need for rest, to stop. You'll see, you'll see pictures of people on there, images of people just laying in bed having coffee, like it's going to be the greatest day, selling their coffee. A uh, picture of people a day on the beach just hanging out with that trendy bathing suit, right? 
um, playing, a gu- playing a guitar on the couch while looking at the rain. Wow. It just brings you into this moment. Uh, uh, listen, it's all images of Shabbat, the stop. And, and the marketing companies know it. They are marketing to help you to, they're showing it. But what happens is as they're marketing this, they're coming, they're saying, just give us, well, well, you'll get this and you go buy that thing and it doesn't help you. And you're moving faster and you're moving at the speed of light and, you, and your soul has no more rest anymore. Jesus modeled Sabbath for us. Look at this in Mark chapter 2, verse 23. Jesus modeled the Sabbath. On one, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. Now check this out. Jesus is going through there, and, and I want you to catch a scene. that The disciples were just young teenagers. They, they were like, like 17, 18 years old probably. And they're going through, and, and, and as he's walking with these, with these teenage boys, do you ever hang out with a teenage boy? It's fun if you're a teenage boy. It really is. Like, like they, 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 can, they have fun. They jab. They play. They horse around. And so, so here's Jesus. He's going through. And just see them plucking the, you know, just walking by the wheat and, and plucking it with their hand. You, you could just see them. They had no intention of harvesting it. They're just, they're just goofing off and, and picking up the wheat there like that. And, and so check this out. Then the Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? So, so the, the Pharisees come to Jesus and they said, Hey, don't you know the Sabbath is a day of rest? Why are they out harvesting? You see, they lived in, they lived in a culture of legalism. The Jewish people had taken what God had given them and they exaggerated to a point of legalism. And they said, go out and you're not allowed to do anything on that day. You're not allowed to walk on the grass on the Sabbath. Now, that wasn't God's command. That was the command that the, that the rabbis and the Pharisees added on to it. They had so many commands that they would add on. They said, so on the Sabbath, it was like this day. And when you and I think of this word Sabbath, we think of a day where like you feel guilty because you didn't take a Sabbath. You feel guilty because you didn't go to church. You feel guilty because of something on Sabbath. And so you relate that you have this guilt feel when you think of Sabbath in the Bible, if, you, if you've had any understanding of it. And so, the, so in, in this day, when Jesus shows up, they're saying, why is he doing that? They're, they're not allowed to do that on the Sabbath. They, they would say, you couldn't walk on the grass, because if you did walk on the grass, you might break a blade of grass, and that would be considered harvest, and therefore that would be work. We're not going to harvest on the Sabbath. And so they took what God had given them, and they exaggerated it. And they made this rule. They made legalism, and it was far from what God had intended for them. Look how Jesus responds. He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abathar the high priest, he, David, entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companion. And then he said to him, so, so what he does, he draws an example. He says, Listen, you're missing the point here. You're taking the law and you're missing the point. You've taken and you've gone to this exaggeration of the law. I want you to understand the point here. And he says to them, the Sabbath was made for a man, was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And right there, Jesus sent a big message. And the people that day needed to hear that message. That the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Because in legalism, you say, here's the Sabbath you have to perform. But from God's point of view, I want you to catch this, that God made the Sabbath for you. 
It is a gift. Sabbath is a gift for you. So while they need to hear the last part of that, in that day they need to hear not man for the Sabbath. They need to hear that to free them from legalism. In our day, few people practice Sabbath. Few people practice a, a day of stop. A day of stop and delight. Few people practice that. You're here today, but I'm thinking as you go out from here that there's a lot of things on your mind. You're already thinking about lunch. Well, so am I, all right? But anyhow, you're thinking about lunch. We're thinking about these things, right? But, uh, you know, you're thinking about what's going to happen on Monday. Your brain about 2.30 begins to get engaged for what's going to happen. So, so what happens is we're not really resting. I haven't unplugged. I haven't taken the, the plug out and let God recharge. And, and so I may have come and, and listen, it's a day of rest. It's a day of honor to the Lord. The Sabbath, stop, halt the Sabbath day, the day of rest, was made for man. It was a gift from God. That's what we need to hear today because we don't understand that. We, we have just run at the speed of light. How many people told me, but you don't understand, I got to. Sabbath was made for the man. It was a gift from God. Look at what, Jesus, look what God did here in Genesis 1.31. At the beginning of the world, look what he did. This is how he modeled it for us. So this is the very first week of creation. God saw all that he had made, and it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, and there was the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day... God had finished the work that he had been doing, so on the seventh day he rested from all of his work. God rested from all of his work. Did you catch that? Like, do you think God sat down and said, that was a hard week. I created the heavens and the earth. I had to move the land from the water. had to make day and night. I had to make all those fish. I got that clownfish out there. I got these bottom-feeding fish. I made thousands of fish. I did it all in six days. I am so tired. I need a break. Do you think that's what God did? No. You know what God did? He showed us the rhythm of life. Six days you shall work. On the seventh day, God rested. Did you catch that? God himself rested. He didn't need to rest. He chose to rest. He rested. You and I are made in the image and the likeness of God. God rested. And so how many times, and listen, this isn't like, hey, go to church on Sabbath day. That's not what this is about. This is resting in his presence and starting to understand him and understand. Now, check this out. There's a rhythm of life, right? There's a rhythm of life. And that rhythm of life is one, two, three, four. Five, six, rest. One, two, three, four, five, six, rest. And you know what we do as Americans? This is what we do. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Maybe rest. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. One, two, three, four. Crash. And that's what happens to us. Because we forget the rhythm of life. Like, this is how the universe was made. And one man said, if you go against the grain of the universe, you're sure to get splinters. This is how God designed us. My, me, I am not designed 
to go seven days without a rest. I go six, take my seven. And, and listen, I have been guilty of, of, of doing that multiple times. And you know what happens? Irritability creeps in. Isolation creeps in. Emotional numbness, workaholism. All those things creep in because what happens is our heart, our heart drifts from God into what I can do and what I can manufacture Verse, verse 3 there, Genesis 2, 3, God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. He blessed and he made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creation that he had done. You know, over in France, there was a study down in France. They tried to, they tried to increase productivity in their economy. So they went from a seven-day work week to a ten-day work week. And whenever they went to the 10-day work week, you know, we as Americans, we go Monday, Tuesday through Friday, and then we have Saturday, Sunday off. They went 10 days before they would give a day off. And the whole idea was that we will increase our economy, productivity will go up. And what happened, as you look back at the study, they did this and the suicide rates went sky high. Their productivity decreased. Why? Because you need a break. Your soul needs rest. You, you will never find what you're looking for outside of God. And if you don't have that time to stop and let God refill your soul, for Him to pour back into your heart, your, your productivity goes down. There were studies done that, that what was the difference between a 50-hour work week and a 70-hour work week? What was the difference in productivity? When a man works 70 to a man who works 50, guess what? It was the same. He was spinning his wheels. Productivity was down. And he was racing out of control and his heart was is, is empty. And so this is where we as Americans, we, we are prone to not take that day off because, I, well, you don't understand. I got God rested. But you don't understand. I, I've got bills and I've got this. I, God rested. God made this way for us. He planned it for you to rest every seven days. To rest and to worship Him. And when I say worship, I'm not talking about 15 minutes worth of music on Sunday, folks. I'm talking about you and God getting alone. Like you and God, you restore your soul. Uh, how about going for a walk with your wife? I, I took a day this week and I said, you know, I'm, I'm going I'm to really be conscious about this. Man, I took the day and I just rested, spent time in His presence. And I took my wife out for a bowl of soup. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Soup. Do you know we were worshiping while we were eating soup? Why? Because we were delighting in our God. We were delighting in Him. And my mind wasn't captivated by what I could do. I was captivated by God Almighty. And, and so, so you come to Him and you rest with Him. And so what this is, the Sabbath, the stop and rest, is really an invitation to enter into God's delight. Look here this morning, Genesis uh, 2 verse 3, he, say, he says this, that God blessed the seventh day. So what did God bless? He blessed the day. But what else did he bless? He blessed the animals. Genesis 1, God blessed them and he said, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas. Let the birds multiply on the earth. He told the, told the animals. He blessed them. Why? Because they give life. He came over to man and woman, to Adam and Eve. Genesis 1, God blessed them. God blessed Adam and Eve. He said to them, be fruitful and multiply, multiply, Ugh, sorry, 
and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Why did he, te- why did he tell Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply? He blessed them. Why did he bless them? Because they're going to be life-giving. Three things he blessed. Number one, he blessed the animals on the first week. Then he blessed humans. And then he blessed a day. All three are life-giving. In that day, you will find God. You've got to come into that day, and you've got to find God. You have to stop long enough to experience God. This is what God has called us to do. You you don't have to travel far to find Him. He's right there in a day. You don't have to take a pilgrimage to Israel. You don't have to come up this mountain on Sunday to find Him. He's right where you are. Whatever day it is that you take that rest, take that day and get alone with Him. We have to stop long enough to experience God. We're going to talk more about this in the future. Experience God. Over in in Exodus, he says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Remember. Why is it easy for us to forget? God says to remember. He gave the Ten Commandments. He says, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to remember. Don't forget the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Nine days. I'm sorry, six days. Verse 9. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And he continues, he says, you shall not do any work for you or your family or anybody. And and he continues on, verse 11, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day, and therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Do you know it's the only one of the Ten Commandments with a why? Go through and look at all the Ten Commandments, and God knew that we need to know why, because we don't like to stop, do we? And then you, you go over here and you, and you see here in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Now he changes the word here and he moves to observe. It's a holiday. You know, a holy day, a holiday. I want you to think about this because Sabbath is a holiday minus the family drama, okay? That's what that is, you know? You don't have to have all this big to do on, a, on, on your daily holiday, your weekly holiday. It's the Sabbath. You stop and you rest and you get in His presence. Uh, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. It is a holy day. And then he continues, verse 15, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Folks, we live in a world today where we are slaves. God told them, you're my people. And the first thing he did when he brought them out of Egypt, the the first commandments, he says, you get a day off. Because a slave does not get a day off. When When the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt, they got zero days off. None. They were beat. They were whipped. It was all about production, work harder, work faster, make the Egyptians more money, do this, do this, do this. They got zero days off. They were slaves. And God says, as my people, I'm changing your identity. You are no longer a slave. You get one day, and not just a day off from work, but a day off where I refill your soul. 
Folks, today, this is what we need more than ever. We're, we're, we're living life out of control. How many people do I know that are letting this stuff ruin their lives? Like, like they're on social media. Count the hours that you're on social media. And then count the hours that you spend resting with God. It's amazing that they can be, they, they, they go to lunch. You go, to, go down to Eaton Park and look around the restaurant, watch people that are just sitting like this. You know, a meal time is when you're supposed to look at the person across from you. Not look at this. Huh? They just kept eating. Man, they, it, we're out of control. We, we have become so concerned about what somebody else is doing. I'll tell you what. I lost my mind a few months ago here. I used to have Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. I was into it, man. And Facebook. And you know what? I got rid of everything but Facebook. I got rid of it. You know why? I got rid of Instagram. I could see everybody's nonsense. <laughs> it was a waste of my time. I could see churches, pastors would put up things that make them feel good about themselves. And as I look at it, I'd feel bad about myself. I said, this is out of hand. This has ruined my life. This is ruining my mental health. I said, delete. It's gone. I didn't just take the app off. I closed my account. You can't find Ken Barner Jr. out there. Maybe you can. I don't know. But I can't find him, all right? It's gone. I took Twitter. You know what I used to do with Twitter? I used to follow famous pastors. I said, why can't I preach like them? They got the best statements. Nobody retweets my stuff. I got rid of Twitter. What I did, Snapchat, I didn't even know how to use that thing. I guess you got rid of that. Okay? But listen, how many of you cannot even rest because this thing is talking to you nonstop? Nonstop. And it's good. It's not bad. It's good. Bing, bing, bing. I'm silenced. I don't get notified about nothing anymore. If you text me, I might get back to you tomorrow. I don't even know about it half the time. Why? Because I was losing my mental health. I wasn't healthy. I wasn't resting. And so, so, so here's what has to happen. We have to rest before the Lord God Almighty. Uh, the, the, the Hebrew day would start in the evening. The psalmist said in Psalm 55:17, Evening, morning, and at noon will I pray. The Hebrew day started in the evening. And every day it would start from a position of rest before the day would start. And we as Americans think we start tomorrow morning. But if we could start Monday at 6 o'clock on Sunday with rest. And I don't have to be alarmed constantly. I want to encourage you. Take some time and like shut this stuff off. Like really shut it off. And listen, I know I'm preaching a not, not exciting message because... It's the young generation, right? And the young generation, you've got to understand. Let me tell you, young generation, you have to understand what will harm your soul, what will destroy you. If you could sit with the counseling sessions that I counsel, families that have lost it over this. Lost it. Lost their families because somebody else they found. Because, because husbands were addicted to things they should have never seen. Lost it. So I want to encourage you today, folks, to take this. And to dismantle and say, okay, God, I will use these things to honor and glorify you. And I will not let them control me. I will not be a slave to the social media. I will not be a slave to my job. Listen, I can go home and I can think about church constantly. Constantly. And I constantly have to battle this because I have to, I have to sit and you know, talk to my wife. 
And I've told my wife, you know, my wife on her day off, she is so happy to just sit there and stare at me. I mean, who wouldn't be? I mean, come on. You know what I mean? So she's just so happy just to sit there and like, wow. Me, I'm, you know, when I have a day off, I said, you want me to just sit here and stare at you? And she's like, yeah, it'd be kind of nice, all right? You know? So listen, I want you to catch this. We've got to unplug our hearts. And it doesn't matter that somebody else has something better than you. It doesn't matter that you didn't catch up. It doesn't matter because half of what they're putting out there is false anyhow. Uh, let's come and not worry about your job so much. Uh, uh, God can produce more in your hard work in six days than he can in your hard work in seven. Just remember that. Let's close with communion this morning. I want to invite you to rest. As we, I'm going to ask the men who are serving communion to go now and let's serve communion to our congregation. And uh, as they come today, I want you just to spend some time resting. Rest in God Almighty. Come before the Lord and, and just enjoy a moment of rest. And I know right now you're, you're in a hurried moment. You're like, I'm ready to go on to the next thing. I want to encourage you to pause. Hebrews chapter 4 says that we have rest in the Lord Jesus. So I'm going to ask the gentlemen as they come forward to please serve the congregation. Gentlemen, you may now serve the congregation. And I'm going to ask everyone to please retain the bread until all have been served. Jesus had taken that bread was at a communion time actually it was at a passover time and he was in the upper room with the with his disciples and he ripped the bread up and he gave it and he blessed it and he gave thanks and he said eat this do this in remembrance of me this is my body and what he was saying was that this is a symbol of his body it's a piece of bread in the passover meal it had no yeast in it it was known as unleavened bread And as they have that unleavened bread, um, it was a symbol. Today, the the bread that you have is a symbol. It it has no leaven in it. And by the way, it doesn't even have gluten in it. For those that that are concerned about that, uh, I want you to know this morning that this bread is just a symbol. And as we take it, we're going to pray over it and thank God for it. And we're going to worship Him. His body was broken for you. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we come before you. And as we pause and we we receive communion this morning, we're reminded that you said that your body would be broken. Like you told your disciples, you were trying to explain it to them. They didn't catch it. But you said to do this in remembrance of you. So God, we pause. We don't have to be on anything else right now. We've unplugged and we said we're here for you. God, bless your people as they respond to you this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Then he took the cup that same night. It was another element at the Passover feast. and, uh, And he picked it up. And he prayed over it and he blessed it. And he said, this is 
symbol of his covenant, the new covenant, the blood of Jesus Christ. Gentlemen, you may please serve the congregation at this time. Let's all retain the cup till everyone has been served. And he said, this, this is my blood, the, the new covenant between God and man. The old covenant was to try harder. The old covenant was to go down and, and sacrifice the lamb. Jesus became the sacrificial lamb. Jesus paid the price once for all forever, and he paid for your sin that day on the cross. It is the new covenant between God and man. So today I invite you into that rest. Hebrews chapter 4 says, come into the rest, enter the rest. Thank God we don't have to work to get to God. God came to us. And there's rest in there. There's peace in a relationship with God. So today as you look at that, I want you just to look at that juice and think about the blood that was shed for you. This is personal. Jesus died for you. Our Father and our God, we come before you and we say thank you, Lord, for this cup this morning, this cup of juice. It's a symbol of what you've done. It's a symbol of your blood that you died on the cross. You paid for our sin. You came back to life again for us, Lord. And we gather today and we honor you. We worship you. Thank you, Lord, for the rest that we can find in a relationship with you. In your name we pray. Folks, let's all stand together. Greet those around you. You are dismissed in an unhurried manner. Shouts within.